All right. Hello, you guys. So Kenneth says he sucks at doing the intros, so I offer to do it for him. Here, here, here's my best shot. Hello, and welcome to the Vietnamese with Kenneth Nguyen. Today's guest is Rachel Lee Cook. You're probably thinking, who's that? She's an actress who was in stuff probably that you saw a really long time ago, and is coming out in a new Netflix movie called A Tourist's Guide to Love, premiering April 21st. How did I do? Was that okay? Perfect. Perfect. Okay. Wonderful. Wonderful. I won't cut any of that out. <laughs> Rachel, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, that party that I saw you at was a complete madhouse. So I feel grateful for the opportunity to talk to you in a in a quiet and chill environment. This is perfect. Yes. And I, I've been looking forward to this. Um, shout out to Scott and shout out to Jess Vu and Erin and um, Jenny Chang Lei, all the people say, they all say hi. And I these are close friends of mine folks. now. And um, they, they've all been in, in some way on the project or supported the project. So they, you know, I want to give them a shout out. And uh, here we are today. Yes. Thank you to all of those excellent people. I, I, I feel ultra unqualified to be here, not just even because I'm not Vietnamese, but because I just feel like they're so much smarter about everything that is Vietnam and the culture. And you can edit this episode down to like a tight 12 minutes, right? <laughs> or maybe a tight 120 minutes. Kenneth, no. <laughs> so how did the project come to you? Well, um, the sort of like, you didn't ask for the back back story, but I don't know really how to tell it without that. Yeah, um, let's go to the back back story. <laughs> I was born on a Chilly autumn eve. I'm just that was stupid. I'm sorry. In Minnesota, we right? We both deserve better than that. Um, a couple years back, uh, I made a movie for Netflix that I pitched and produced, and I'm also in called Love Guaranteed. And that movie, thankfully, really found an audience, did well for Netflix, and I could tell that I had a window in which to pitch something else there that they could be receptive to in, in its success. So I found out that Netflix was looking for content that involved travel because people were still very much coming out of COVID. And um, I very much wanted to travel. And I had recently read a really incredible writing sample by our Irene Tran Donahue. I'm probably saying the middle part of her name wrong, which is always a phobia of mine. I'm sorry, Irene. Um, anyway, I read a really awesome writing sample by her and we had a general meeting where we were batting around a lot of concepts. And I thought, wouldn't it be amazing if we could make a travel movie that's a romance that's also really just organically diverse? I don't know an another way of putting it. I feel like the absence of, you know, that was created by COVID was the connection uh, that people can find with strangers in special moments and special places. That's what we were all so very much deprived of for so long. And I remember thinking back to a, a bus tour I went on about 12 years ago uh, at that point and thinking how interesting it was that people from just all different walks of life who had a million different reasons for wanting to have said adventure were meeting and having the exact same adventure. And then as I looked over into the windows of other buses thinking, how funny that we're all having sort of carbon copy versions of the same adventure. So wouldn't it be cool if one of those buses took a different turn? So between 
the fact that Arian is uh, half Vietnamese and the fact that she wonderfully met and fell in love with her husband in Vietnam and the idea of a tour bus and again, combining it very thoroughly with, with her experiences there. And she filled in absolutely all of the characters so beautifully. We sort of landed with this story and we pitched it and Netflix was almost immediately pretty enthusiastic. And the process, which is standard for Netflix from pitch to production was about a year. So it was, uh, it was, it was not quick, but you know, like they say, fast, cheap or good. So here we are. So you had this idea and Irene came to you with a pitch, but was it a full fleshed out script yet when she came to you? No, no, we were able to work through that together. Um, which is so wonderful. Yeah, she's, Irene's got a lot of ideas and she's a brilliant mind. Absolutely. It's not easy to, to whip something up in, you know, from a, from a year, right? You know, from pitch to finish. Oh, heavens no. I mean, she, um, you know, we had, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to remember because it was now so long ago, but we sort of go from, here's the general concept that we all agree upon to a you know synopsis to a detailed synopsis and at that point netflix is weighing in um because they sort of bit on one idea where she you know not i mean it's the same idea but where we walk through all of the story points and beats and then they have to adjust from there and then from there we go to script so that was the process had you ever been to vietnam before i had not I had not. When did uh, I? Please forgive me. I assume that you have been there because you are a host of the Vietnamese. You are yeah. the Kenneth Nguyen. It would be pretty crazy <laughs> if you hadn't. But I don't want to assume that you have been there. Yes, yes. I, I was born okay. here in the U.S. and uh, was in the U.S. Marines uh, in the in the early '90s. Dude, thank you for your service. You're welcome. And uh, how are you old enough to serve in the '90s? <laughs> I'm a few years older than you are. <laughs> so yeah i i go back uh twice a year three times a year my brother um ha- has been there for 20 years he's also oh, wow in the industry. why did he uh decide to move back just we, family work yeah no no we both went to usc and we mm-hmm. both uh, studied we wanted to be in film and he mm-hmm. he went into animation and i went into um finance distribution producing development and all over all over the map with in vietnam um, so that's where, you know, that's how I landed in the podcast, but enough about me. No, that's impressive. So his, uh, work moved him there. And obviously you guys had never lived there and he's just been there for how long did you say? No, it's like 20 years now. He's got about 200 animators working for him. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, it's really important for us to see production like yours and for people like, you know, Netflix and at this level to be in Vietnam. And this mm. is is so exciting. And I was telling Brandy earlier that the beauty of A Tourist Guide to Love for for my brother and my generation is it's threefold. Uh, Showcasing Vietnam and and all its beauty. And the second thing is bringing the economic side of filmmaking to Vietnam. Mm. The third and most special to myself and my brother perhaps is men who are in their late 40s, 50s, that were raised in the U.S. to see you and Scott on screen is a really, really big deal for us. 
It's a, it's a massive thing. And I can't wait to see what unfolds in the storyline. But, you know, Brandy and all these other people praise the film. And I, I know that you've made a great film and you've done justice to that whole, that third point that I've brought up. And I'm, I'm very touched by it too. Sure, thank you. And my huge apologies if um, we were not able to get you a full screener. No, no, I'm going tomorrow too. Yes. Okay. Good. Don't you don't need to watch it twice, but I would appreciate it if you did because Netflix counts every click. But not to minimize what you just said, I, I I'm going to try to put this delicately. I should not be given any credit or acting like I'm advancing. Uh, uh, you know, I, I don't know how to put it, but nobody should pat me on the back for making out with Scott Lee on screen. Like I, I appreciate he that. He is um he the he's just like he's just like a wonderful actor and human and complete and total movie star. And I I I do appreciate what you're saying one million percent and it means a lot to me actually in all of my um humorous deflections to be a part of something that's meaningful in that way and honestly i i I was really drawn to arian's work she's just so whip smart and just so good but if she had been from somewhere else we could have shot this movie somewhere else so i wish that i could have said you know like it is my mission to get vietnam out there and get it in front of screens in america it was just it's just an incredibly wonderful um you know opportunity of, of circumstance and, and, and i yeah. appreciate that honesty too because that shows the level of awareness um you know if you watch the 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 movie uh, you people with jonah hill yeah that was pretty funny yeah. <laughs> so yeah it you're the, the the exact opposite of the mom the mom jonah hill's mom in the film you, the, i watched every single one of those scenes like through my fingers i honestly had to fast forward i couldn't handle it it was great though i mean because it showcases the the spectrum of you know, uh, when when people of color come into into light or step up into somehow, the, the, you know, it, it's beautiful when we get the support and the allyship. And, and I don't know if that's a bad word, or, or but there's <laughs> is also that a this, bad word? <laughs> there's also this honesty that that you just said. You know, like, hey, I'm not respond. I you know, I didn't make the decisions. Or if it was another country, I would be shooting another. So that honesty is also very appreciated as well you know because it shows a lot of awareness and and that's beautiful i do feel like i i don't know how to put it it's kind of like if you drop your toast and it lands with the butter side up like i guess i just revealed i'm eating off the floor which i definitely do but it's just kind of like it was just a beautiful you know just way that things panned out we just couldn't have been luckier in that sense I can think of a lot of countries that I will not name that would not have greenlit, that would not have gotten this movie greenlit on the visuals. Yeah. Um, and damn, does Vietnam deliver? I'm, I hope that we're accidentally good for, you know, actual tourism, not uh, living room tourism. Well, I, you know, I, I think that, I think that there's so much beauty uh, in the, the the shots that you've captured just from the trailer. Um, and because of the trailer, um, I'm actually hosting a few viewing parties. <gasps> yeah. So- Thanks for the invitation. Appreciate it, Ken. <laughs> a you- few. Not invited to any of them. 
you know, I don't know what cuts down on the clicks though, right? Because if I have like <laughs> five to eight people and one, you know, but anyway, hopefully those five You're to right. eight friends will, will let other people know like, oh, you guys have to watch this. Exactly. That math works. Yes. Thank yes. you. I so appreciate that. So I've had my own perceptions about like the Middle East, right? Formed as a military person and growing up in the US and I have like, you know, my entire life seeing the Middle East a certain way, my perceptions. I can imagine as somebody, you grew up in Minnesota, the Midwest, right? Yeah. Having perceptions of Vietnam and the Vietnamese people as you're growing up uh, throughout the 80s and 90s, how has this trip and experience changed the way you viewed uh, Vietnamese people or the country um, after you made the, the film? I think in a way I was lucky not to walk into the journey with too many expectations or a distinct version of what I thought the experience was going to be. I had seen some stunning visuals and all of those promises were delivered upon. I had had some friends who had gone and uh, had incredible experiences. And so I knew that I had always wanted to go. But um, yeah, as my kids are still quite young, the idea of international travel is still something that's not yeah. at my fingertips as, as readily these days. So how is it different from what I pictured? I guess I'm lucky that I'm not like ultra imaginative in that sense. I was like, there better be rice patties, you guys, because if that's not real, people have got some explaining to do. <laughs> um <laughs> Well, that's a dumb thing to say. The food delivered. I am still like this coffee's trash. Like er <laughs> everything that's not Vietnamese coffee is garbage. Sorry, <laughs> just is. And I didn't know that. Um, yeah, and I I miss it to this day. And it was almost a year ago that we were filming. So um, yeah, it was just it was full of wonderful surprises. Just just incredible. I, I know that that sounds general and sweeping, but. No, it makes sense. Um, did, did you have to get acclimated when you landed? Or, like, did you have to take like a few days to sort of like adjust to the heat, to the environment? Um, the, the days when we landed, um, I don't think I ever adjusted to the heat. I'm not going to lie to you. That was intense. Yes, intense. Um, sidebar story about that at another time. Uh, I wish that we were of a budget where it could have been like, you know what, everyone come in, get settled, maybe go to the spa, but we're just not that kind of a production. And uh, people in Vietnam as as your brother and everyone who works for him and everyone who you've met there can attest, like, you know, it is not a culture of like, let's just chill and the work will do itself. Like it's not leisurely. It is a, it seems like a culture that prides itself on being able to work intensely hard at a moment's notice and in a very problem solving and active and quick way. So it was definitely not like a, you know what, let's all just like talk about our feelings about like how the plane ride was and what we might want for breakfast. It was like, it's time to go. And so we really hit the ground running as much as was possible. I'm so delighted so delighted to hear that perspective from you because you know growing up as vietnamese we have this sort of like this context where we think americans are that what you just described like go go mm. go go. but maybe that's what netflix and the production brought to the crew in vietnam this sense of urgency this sense of like let's get this done because you know and and that's what i'm talking about when american productions or 
productions that come from outside of Vietnam come into Vietnam and it increases the sort of the, the, the skills and the standard of production. And it makes, you know, our locals, uh, think a certain way where we, where we up our game. And that's what you just described. And I'm really happy to hear that. I, I would not say that it's a frenetic energy by, by any sense. I just know that, um, you know, any production assistants who had the unfortunate job of trying to wrangle me different places, they were not just on time. They were five to seven minutes early. And when you have set your alarm to have exactly 23 minutes to get out of bed and brush your teeth and get out the door, those seven minutes are very valuable. So it's just like a very, um, I just really felt, yeah, just the, I don't know, just the, the hard work nature was just very apparent to me. It, um, yeah, there, there were definitely, there's a different style of just going about production with the crew that was there. And, you know, American, you know, and not all of our crews from America, we had department heads from, from Singapore, uh, our aid, uh, we had a Vietnamese first AD and a team out of Canada. Wow. And so it was a very international sort of group and everyone I'm sure thinks that their way of doing things is correct, but it turns out everybody's a little bit right and a little bit wrong. And it took us, you know, I'd say a solid, you know, two and a half weeks to really find a flow, but that's a lot of productions in one way or another. Right. Right. Now, were you one of the EPs, uh, executive producers on the project? Um, The funny thing, I I am a just regular P um, on this one. And I often prefer that title because sometimes EP just means like the person who cut the check or the person was there who was there when someone came up with an idea or I don't know. Sometimes that's what it can mean. And sometimes it means you really, really earned it and you're very, very fancy, um, which I am not. So I really just wanted to, and I don't know, was, uh, yeah, I was credited as a regular producer on this, but I like it. It feels like I got my hands dirty, you know? Yeah. And the reason I ask is because, you know, producing these things are, any movie is a a very risky, uh, it's a very risky uh, endeavor. Well, you do it all the time. So, you know, by the way, I was not explaining that for your benefit. That was just for any of my parents' friends at home. Just to set the record, I've only done it one time. And I was an EP on the project. I brought the money to help bring the money. To, so I, yeah. that's not, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the thing is this, um, it's a fairly risky thing. And to bring a risky thing into a country like Vietnam, how much sort of like thought goes into like mitigating the risk on that level of producing? Um, being aware of risk in a place where you're a complete outsider is a is definitely worrisome because i would have thoughts about um like the lantern street in hoyan yeah all of those streets are magnificent we just needed to dial one of them up even a little bit further just to be like just over the top in terms of the amount of light it was going to throw so production put up a ton more lanterns down this street and they the the street was like hey, amazing job, because by the way, Ando, who we need to talk about later, the production designer extraordinaire, I'm sure you've heard about this man, I can tell by your reaction that that you know the legend that is Ando, Um, and his team just crushed it with these lanterns. But as a producer, I was scared because I was like, 
we're just going to leave up a bunch of electricity because, oh, sorry, the street asked if we could leave these beautiful lanterns there. Wow. And I was like, that seems like a liability. Like no productions here would sort of want to have their hands on something. They would be like, could you sign this liability waiver saying that you approved it or that you, whatever. Wait, that's a really cool detail. There's lanterns that were extra for this production and it's still hanging at Hoi An right now. Yes, yes, they are. So that specific street, I think, yes, if people go, I bet they'll be able to pick something out. And believe me, these streets are- They're going to make a plaque out of that because they do it for like when Obama came in for Bourdain, there's like plaques on these restaurants. And when Clinton- Oh, that's incredible. For another restaurant, they have plaques like here sat Obama, here sat Clinton. So they're going to put a plaque up for like, here was where tours got. I'm, I'm fairly certain that this Well, little- now I'm going to be like offended if we don't get a plaque. I don't know if we're plaque worthy. Bourdain <laughs> and Obama are kind of like up here. It's a tough one. Um, I don't, it's also a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Like, I can't, I'm not sure you should be corrupting it with like, eh, these American actors were layers just right? trotting around. More, more to the, the, Yeah, we just, it was also just, it was mostly just practical because you have to be in a little bit closer, right? So we just needed them to throw even more colorful light because, hello, I'm over 40. We need all of the light. Just, I want all of the lanterns. I want them to have to build more lanterns to light me. It's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Now, was it difficult to get sort of Netflix to to agree to a project that was not only in another country, but the context of like having, you know, for me now, like stories in Vietnam, you know, uh, done by big studios, a, a really fairly, again, risky situation, hmm. you know, risky for the studios. I mean, was there a lot of um, sort of uh, having to... Uh, prove that, you know, hey, this is something that's commercially viable eventually. The commercially viable part, I think that they have faith in the the model and the genre and obviously the natural beauty. I think that obviously there are going to be, yes, uh, concerns slash questions about how, um, you know, how doable is production in a place that we've simply never placed a production before. And that's a totally fair question. So a lot of that faith, I feel like, came from our producer, Irene Trim, who's with Creative. I don't know how to say the name of her company, right? It's called C-R-E-A-T-V. And she had shepherded other productions who had done, uh, who are coming from the States and yeah. Canada for Irene. much smaller jobs. Yeah, that were just doing a couple days, like This Is Us. And um, I think she was, she helped on Kong and stuff like that. So she, you know, and she lives, um, she's lived in the States a long time as well. She was a a perfect, she was our go-to resource on literally everything. She instilled a ton of confidence in, um, I think our, our presentation to Netflix about the production capabilities of, uh, of the country, the crews, the, the, the access that we could be given. She's the most, she literally, this movie could not have happened without her. Yeah. And, Irene's a veteran. Her recommendations. Oh gosh. Yeah. She's been there from day one. She's a beast. She was, we were all exhausted, had been working so many, many hours at the end of the shoot. And I was like, what are you going to do next? She goes, I'm actually starting a movie with a friend tomorrow. 
like, lady, you got to calm down. You're running too hot. Wild. What were some of the, like the searing memories that you've had, good memories that you had coming out of uh, working in Vietnam? Um, I remember running in the, running in the sand. We stayed at a, a beautiful resort, um, sort of, it was on the water, but in Hoi An. And um, I, I guess just outside of the, I'm mean, not right next to the sort of little town center, but um, running in the sand there and going in the water with my kids and really just, it, this is where I'm just going to completely go up for words because it's a feeling. There's just something about the light there. I remember um, we, it was, we were going from sort of where the, not trailers, we had no trailers, but one location and running to the tailor shop where Scott and I were having stuff made and just sneaking out during the lunch break. And he grabbed a bike and he was just like, jump on. And I just got on the back of the bike and we went over to the tailor shop and it was just like perfect weather and just sort of looking around and just going, what, what is my life? How, how is this my job? This is completely insane to me. Or sometimes we would be, um, you know, just, I, I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm digressing. No, no, it makes sense. I, I was trying to think. Was it a motorbike or was it a pedal bike? That one was a pedal bike. He also, yeah, he also drove me around on the scooter. Yeah. Um, which was incredible. And it was just amazing. Yeah, like we took the cyclos sometimes from, you know, one location to another because it was simply easier than have, trying to have like production vehicles. So they would just hire a ton of people to take the entire crew, you know, in shifts, you know, from place to place. I think even with camera equipment sometimes, like just just like a very make it happen yeah. kind of production. I'm sure it looks like we just got paid to go on vacation. But let me tell you, the shoot had its complications, as you can imagine. What what kind of complications? Let me think. Um, I think just the hardest thing, and this is so dumb, it's like complaining about breathing, weather is weather, but the heat, mm -hmm. I think, was the hardest thing for me. There was this one day um, when we were out in Hazan, and it was so hot. <laughs> and I think I, I don't know what was going on. I, I was just melting down internally a little bit. And I remember... I heard a rooster in the distance and a little voice in my head said, I'll get it as if a phone had rung. So I was having like auditory hallucinations. Wow. It was not great for, for me in that moment, the heat, but um, you know, it, it honestly, you, you forget about it. It's like what childbirth, you forget all of the pain and difficulties. That was just a story I tell sometimes because it also just makes me laugh. But when it's but, that yeah. hot, it's hard to keep like makeup from, Dude. you know, from, from, from. Yes. Sweat it is, and it's hard to think. It's thing. hard to remember your lines. You're just sort of short circuit sometimes. And you never, as an actor, think that other people could feel like understanding or sympathetic to you in those moments, you just feel like you're failing and it's hard. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, those, but again, pretty normal complications.
Yeah, but I, but I can imagine how difficult that is for somebody who, you know, the whole team and everybody on board is really, you're carrying the moment. And, you know, it's like that, the apex of like whatever's happening is really on you. And so that pressure is, is heavy. Yeah, yeah. I, I remembered one other thing. When we were shooting the street crossing scene, and I still have not figured out the street crossing, to be honest with you. I know that it makes sense intellectually, but I'm just a little bit too much of a scaredy cat. I'm sure I would adjust if I was there a little bit longer. But I found that really scary. Um, and then I found out that the way we were going to shoot the scene where Scott's character walks mine across the street... Um, which everyone, not everyone, but most people listening to your podcast will understand. Um, it's really hectic. There's no crosswalks. You just sort of step with intention into traffic. Yes, I know that sounds insane to some people new to this concept as it did to me. Um, and people understand that you are going to go. And there's no reason that a bunch of people should just be waiting around at, you know, stop signs if, you know, there's nobody there. So it does make sense. But I realized that when we were going to shoot this scene, that their entire plan for this was not really a stunt. It was just something that we were just going to do. But instead of it happening in a way that happens if you're like a local where you just plain step in and go for it, um, everyone on the scooters were very much instructed not to hit us because of course, and that would be an expensive reshoot. <clears throat> so, so they were not driving in a normal way. They were driving in a like, okay, I'm in this scene and I am doing whatever my character backstory is as I drive my, you know, my scooter through this shot and I must not hit the actor. So if it looks like they're hesitating, you know, like they're going to slam on the brakes. So it wasn't a normal flow. So I am genuinely pretty concerned in a lot of those shots where we are crossing the street because it, it was just, um, it felt a little, it felt a little dangerous. And, uh, you know, that's just sort of the nature of the way there was. And we got through it and we had a stunt coordinator. He got clipped by a scooter, by the way. He shook it off and just shouted at somebody and like kept walking and directing the scene. He was incredible. That guy was such a badass. And I, but I after that happened, I was I was a little bit nervous. Um so yeah, I'm not going to talk about the scene at the end of the movie cuz I will give it away, but we can definitely talk about it later. And I was like, uh guys, we need to talk about this as as a stunt and maybe getting me a stunt double. This is uh, this is a little intense. And, and it's almost metaphorical of of Asia or the East and the West, right? Because yeah. it's almost like you go out. I feel like especially in the crowded cities of like places like Thailand or or, or, or uh, Saigon, Bangkok, Saigon, the, the the crowded the crowded nature of like these scooters is so intense, and you just have to like have faith when you go out that people are gonna avoid you and they're making split second decisions to not hit it, to not run into you. And you, people spend their entire lives never getting hit because it's just the way that yeah. society functions. It's like, they're always crowded. They're always like in line, they're always up in your face. And it's such a, a normal part of life in, 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 the, in the East, especially Vietnam. and. When you know you get back to LA, you know we we all need our space and we need things to be conducted in a very tight way. Interesting. That was that is a very interesting metaphor. Bringing it with the smart guy stuff over there. What else you got? <laughs> 
So I, I, I'm trying to like form this question and I've been trying to form it all morning because I'm, I'm like trying to figure out how to ask it, but it, it does, it's not coming out. Uh, it is, there's, it's not making sense when I'm asking it, but I'm going to give it a shot. Um, and it's this idea of falling in love um, in a place that you are not from, right? Mm. You're, you're on a trip and, and you fall in love. And to make it believable as an actress, right? How much of this do you have to really live? Because this is a new thing. Being in Vietnam is a new thing for somebody like you, and you've never been there. But you have to make it believable. And how difficult is that to pull off? Or is it fairly easy when you just sort of like imagine how this is going to play out? How much prep and how much of your sort of imagination did you have to put in into falling in love in a place like Vietnam? Or was it fairly easy for you? I hope it's coming out. The question. No, I, you know, what's funny is that originally the script didn't even address the fact that, um, that Sin, the character of Sin, played by Scott Lee, very much lives there. And I, I had to sort of add how I, I'm, I really hope that it was me who made the suggestion. Let's just say it was someone else. Apologies if it wasn't, but it wasn't in the original script of just the practicalities of he lives here. I live over here. Like we've got to talk about this. Um, and we do address that then later in the movie after the characters have really sort of found each other. But I think that the actual answer to your question is sort of two pronged um, in terms of the, the Vietnam of it all. I think it, it only adds to the romance because when you're, when you're taken away and in another environment, it's almost like the beautiful friendships that can be formed um, yeah. from going on a, a trip where you meet, you know, new friends, say you're at a destination wedding or something like that. And all of a sudden you feel bonded to someone for life. Or if you went to summer camp, the way you feel like you hold those people in your heart forever. So there's that, but in a way, I don't know that Vietnam, although it's the most stunning backdrop imaginable and truly what cracks open Amanda's heart and soul as a person, um, it's the character of Sin that, that she's truly in love with. And in that sense, Vietnam is kind of not a factor. It's, it's the key that opens the door, but it's not what's what's on the other side. She's in love with this human being. And so how hard is it to pretend that you're in love with another human being? Um, I truly fall in love with the people who I work with. Like I totally just, I, I just, I absolutely love Scott Lee and he is newer to being in the, you know, like acting as a full-time sort of like life thing. And I remember him saying, so like, when are we going to, you know, hang out again in LA? And I was just like, oh, we're going to hang out again, but you don't understand. Like we're friends for life if you like it or not. We've had this crazy experience together. This is sort of the way, you know, I, I feel like my actor friendships go. Um, I have people who I consider like close friends who I at least, you know, I, who I would do anything for, who I have not seen in a decade, but we had a crazy shooting experience one time and I love those guys. And that's the way that I feel about Scott. And I'm tangenting again from your idea about how do you prepare to do something? You just stay open and you listen to who someone really is and you pay attention to how special they are. And then 
you just be in that moment, you know, and Scott does not make it difficult. And everyone on that tour bus, um, we are, we're bonded for life. It was, uh, it, it was really special experience. That's, that's all a, I can say. It's a beautiful answer. I, I'm, I'm trying over here. I hope that that made sense. There's, there's so much, I, I genuinely feel concerned about how to talk to people who have not been to Vietnam about this movie, because I know that it's just going to be a lot of me going, you know, and it's just this feeling. And they're going to be like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> You're going to have to find some more words, lady, because so much of Vietnam and the experience that we had there is, is a feeling. It's a quality of the light. It's the sounds, it's the tastes, it's these totally intangible things that can't exist anywhere else, but I will absolutely hold in my heart forever. You know, a lot of my listeners um, have not been to Vietnam. A lot mm -hmm. of Vietnamese Americans, Vietnamese sure. diaspora in Europe or Australia, their parents resist going back. They have mm -hmm. all this um, sort of anti-communist or whatever the things are, you know, and I get it. We come from a lot of pain and trauma. Um, so a lot of the listeners have not been back and a lot of listeners have, but for the people that have not been back and the young uh, millennials and Gen Z and all the kids that are affected by their parents' voice of saying not going back, I want to talk about one thing, which is um, the government and your experience with the government. And I'm not pro anything. I'm not pro this, pro that. I just want to hear your experience about the production side and the government's um, help. And I know, um, talking to your publicist, that you have a trip coming up and they're really rolling out the red carpet for for Netflix and for you. And mm -hmm. I'm so happy to hear this. Uh, you know, there's factions in, in, within the Vietnamese uh, world. You know, you come from that place, that place. But whenever I can just hear pure support for projects like this that are coming from the government, regardless if our parents support it or not, I just want to hear about just what's happening on the ground and how much support the government's really giving to this project. And I, I think listening to Brandy talk about it earlier is such a, a wonderful thing to hear that we're getting that support for, for a project like this. Absolutely. And this movie is by no means funded by the government. This has no, we did not, I think that we needed the script approved by the Ministry of Culture, who was incredibly supportive and I'm sure had had notes um but yeah they are they have an incredible reception waiting for us that is beyond anything i expected or or deserve i cannot believe what they are what they are doing for our relatively little movie i am just i'm i'm honored and thrilled and i get to see um Lee Tian and i get <laughs> i get to see truk again and scott's going to come over from where he's shooting in Thailand. Thailand. And I'm, I'm just excited. I'm excited to see everyone. I'm excited to share it with people in Vietnam and just to hear what they think of it. And the thing, the thing that I think got us through any potential conflict there, and I can only relate it to just experiences we had with anyone who we would meet on the street, who would just generally be like, what are you guys doing? Um, translated to me, obviously through people <laughs> around me, is when we say we're making a movie, there's sort of a guarded nature to it. And people would go, what's it about? And there's sort of this implication of like, is it going to be offensive to us in some way? Is it going to reference the, the war? Um, and when we can just go, 
oh, it's a love story. Yeah. Like it's, it is an all the feels love story. People really just sort of lit up and went, cool. We are very into that. You know, like it just, that, that sort of broke boundaries, I feel like, um, um, in terms of just the uh, potential concerns about, you know, like you said, the political implications, this, this, that, and the other. And, and as far as being, um, you know, uh, on anything to do with the government, I have literally no idea. I am so uninformed. It is terrifying. I understand a little bit and I could not comment on it. (laughs) No, this is awesome because it's like every little tile that is part of the mosaic of, you know, when we can look back in the history of, of cinema in Vietnam, that this is one of those building blocks that were, it was like, oh, you know, this was another piece that made perhaps Vietnam, you know, because in Korea, 30 something years ago, the government jumped in and, and we're like, we're going to fund the project. We're going to, we see how important money could do for the, for the industry of hardware, mm. like TVs, like Samsung, LG, mm. all these hardware products that Korea was producing in the early days, it was so important to get the entertainment industry. And that's why you see all these amazing Korean productions today is because hopefully Vietnam would take a page book up a page out of Korea's playbook and say, because a tourist guide to love did so phenomenal, you know, uh, optically Knock on wood, <laughs> but not, it, it's like optically it, it, it did what, um, it changed the minds and hearts of the people in the government of Vietnam. And I think that's the, my best hope for, for what this project is going to do for uh, Vietnam cinema. Ooh, that sounds, uh, sounds like a tall order, Ken. I'm not going to lie to you. That sounds, that sounds like, I, I really hope, I hope that it does. I don't just, when I think about making a, you know, a beautiful romance, it's hard for me to also associate it with, changing hearts and minds but in a funny way that's kind of what our characters do in the movie anyway um stories of romance are always about people opening their minds and discovering new things so it kind of does make sense that's the power of soft power that's the power Mm -hmm. of how i mean something as so simple as a white woman on screen with the vietnamese male lead that's that hasn't happened before and that is some Wait, sort of, can we please fact check that? How is that possible? You know how many times I've asked that question? I've even bro- brought it up with Irene in, in the podcast that I did with her. She said, and she started to break it down. She's like, well, recently there was a, another Netflix film that had an Asian male lead, but he was like really nerdy. There was no hunky. Um, I forget the comedian's name. Oh my God, I should know this. But it was like two years ago. He was... Um, He's a comedian and he... Oh, the guy from Silicon Valley? Silicon Valley, yeah. Oh my God, he's so funny. Now you make me forget his name. I know his name. (laughs) This one aspect is like a big deal for... It, it, it really is a big deal and I hate to keep bringing it back. And I hope- No, I, I completely received that. And I, I gotta keep, I need to stop. I need to talk to my therapist about why I keep deflecting with humor as a default. Um, note to self, <laughs> I really will. I, because I don't think I'm probably going to have this conversation in such a thoughtful and, um, you know, not, not leisurely, but with the, with the grace of time way as I am with you, like answering this question, you know, even if it's with, uh, you know, whoever the, the equivalent of E-News, um, Ho Chi Minh City is, 
I don't know how to answer something like it. I don't know how to, to respond to a sentiment that that powerful in sort of a quick and flip way. So I'm glad that we're talking about it here and now because that, yeah, that that intimidates me. I don't know how to just say thank you and I hope you like the movie because it's just such a bigger statement than that. You know what I mean? I hope I'm making yeah, sense. But you know, no, you are making sense, but it's this is not something that you would normally think about. Like when you made like uh, She's All That or, you know, um, you know, Love Guaranteed. These are mm -hmm. things that you have to think about because sure. the juxtaposition of this is totally different. You're right. You know, for somebody in my sort of, uh, specifically for my generation as a ma Vietnamese man who's mm -hmm. gone through like the trauma of like getting made fun of, even while I was in the Marines, right? Like white guys would make fun. And you know, the, oh, the confidence that we didn't sorry. have. Oh no, it's just part of life. You know, this is all part of like living and and and, and growing. So now to see like the future generation of Asian men in the United States and abroad, and you know, starting with these sort of building blocks, change mm -hmm. the perception. Um, you're right. Of the yeah. elite, and it's not like I hadn't you know, thought about it that way. You're absolutely. Yeah. Right. I mean, I I think I understood it in a in a broad strokes, like, but, you know, that's it's been it's been relayed to me, but but hearing it with your you know passion and intention and thoughtfulness and your own personal history, like, yeah, that that really lands. Thank you for that. Thank you. You know, I really appreciate it. And uh, Irene was the one who kind of like thought about that imagery of like uh, a sexy, hunky, you know, Asian man coming out of the water in his <laughs> body um, is something that, you know, credit to the writers. Right. You know, they think of these imagery that change the way we perceive people. Definitely. And that image is a brain burner for sure. <laughs> I went over to E News yesterday, yesterday, and they wanted to talk all about Scott coming out of the water. So I, <laughs> I think uh, I think that'll work for folks at home. You know, traditional movie releases, um, we know in a matter of days over the weekend if something's going to be a success. We know uh, if the box office shows numbers that, mm -hmm. like, okay, well they hit it out of the park. How do we know, as a community, as a Vietnamese community, or you know, from your camp or how do we know if this project is something successful? Uh, well, a, not a small, it, it's a different type of vote of confidence, but I know that Netflix after, you know, making our movie when is now shooting granted in Thailand, which has a lot more uh, experience with us teams working there. I, I think at least historically, but they have gone over and are making a movie there. I think that they already believe that people want to see, um, you know, more of Asia for sure. And that their, uh, subscribers want that. So I think, um, how will, but in terms of how will we know, sorry, I keep tangenting. They do share, numbers to to an extent and sometimes in a general way um they don't offer up comparisons but they will do that with with us a little bit truthfully um how will the general public know it's tough because usually a, a vote of um you know full seal of approval or sign of success is a sequel and this movies like this don't do that so um i can't say like oh well we would get another one or Maybe they spin off one of the characters or something like that. I think that 
I think that we'll know in a much more homespun way if it's doing well. If you, you know, I'd say if you find out that six of your friends have seen it just even by accident, that's, I think, as good a metric as any. uh, Will they send another production there? I think that they absolutely would. Uh, I don't know if they have plans to, but especially within the division that made our movie, um, they don't make as many movies per year as they used to. So who knows when that could happen. Could a sequel come out of this film? I mean, if you have a pitch, I'm here to listen for sure. Um, I think that the reason that a lot of, I, I wish that more of the uh, the romantic, I, I always struggle to call this romantic comedy because it has very funny moments, but it's much more of a travel romance. Um, that sounds more limiting. So yeah, let's call it a rom-com. But the problem with the rom-com in a way is that the realities of life and the infinite nature of what's possible that we're left with at the end is more beautiful than most realities we could see. Mm. So we kind of don't want to ask questions that, you know, or, or pose situations that could potentially just plain not live up to our hopes or expectations. Um, like sometimes people get so invested in characters that they want to see them get married, but they rarely get to the point where they have a kid together because it's like, Let's yeah. be honest, as a parent, like there's there's nothing soaring and romantic about having a newborn at home. There is not. I'm sorry, except for your love for your child, of course. So, yeah, I think that they have a tendency to sort of, you know, play it where it lays at the end. Um, but, yeah, in terms of success, we'll know something. We'll know. Well, oh, no, dude, I forgot the most obvious thing. It'll be in the rankings. It'll be yeah. number one. It'll be number. Can we please just cut to that part? Don't leave that in anything else that no, I no, said. No, it's important to um, kind of like have have that what you just said because because I wonder about that and then you just answered it. But mm. the, the 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 automatic response to traditional box office theatrical numbers mm-hmm. is so different than this now. It's like we're meander meandering around like where streaming numbers where how do we and the reason I ask this is because it's very simple for me. I mm-hmm. want to promote this. I want oh, to get you. it out. And I and I have like a lot of people uh, in my sort of like my world that promote uh, uh, that will be promoting this as well. And the way they promote it is like, look what it did at the box office, number one. Look what it did on Netflix. It got into the rankings. So getting to know how we can measure how well this did and even just optically show that this mm. was something that was a beautiful thing and it and it and it's ranking then we can go on social media and we can push harder and harder and harder and that's sort of like the the idea that i have uh whenever i ask that question is like how do we how do we socially prove that this is something that's a, 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 a an amazing thing and everybody needs to watch it See, that's, that's interesting. See, I have a tendency to, I think there's just our, just different approaches just as humans. I think that my instinct is more to say, we don't know how we're going to do. Can you please help us? Can you please be one of the people who can, you know, usher us to what we hope will be success? Not, um, hey, look what we did, jump on the bandwagon. Um, because we 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 still need to to build the wagon as it were and i think that if people just tell their friends that it was a good movie that that's the the best tactic but you're right like if a restaurant 
gets a great review, um, that's an easy thing to point to. If a movie does big numbers, you're like, well, all those people can't be wrong. So in that sense, yeah, it's just all about the rankings. If something is high in the rankings, it will show up on more people's home screens. And, you know, um, the rewatch is big with Netflix. Uh, Yeah, it's... I'm still also learning a lot about that stuff. But by the way, can we please circle back and can I just say a very formal and humble thank you for helping out a movie that you weren't, you know, like you should be promoting all your own stuff and this and that, like that you're helping out our movie. It's just, it's not lost on me. I just really appreciate your efforts and you're an intensely connected guy. That's very clear to me. So your support means a lot. I really mean that it's really my my honor to do this um and you know i'm just going to comment on what you just said um so many people have told me how humble you are and just to hear what you just said really reflects that really no thank you you know you've been at this for decades you've been in the game for such a long time and for you to say that it really it touches me in a very um it's a very special thing to hear and i appreciate you. you for saying that and they were all right uh <laughs> I this business will make you humble. If you were not humble before, it will make you. I remember, you know, it's cool that you're military. I actually did a, a USO sort of tour in the Middle East a million years ago with Jason Biggs. And I remember saying to one of the uh, service members there, how are you all so nice? And he said, oh, I wasn't. The military just beats it out of you. <laughs> and I feel like that I feel a little bit the same way about the entertainment business. But the funny it's, thing is, is oh, really this, the, the people that are really at the top usually are very nice. I would absolutely agree oh, because it's too easy them. to, yeah. If, if somebody is not nice, nice I will them. talk all of the shit. <laughs> I will tell everybody. So like, consider that a warning. Um, if you do be or any of my friends dirty, I will tell everyone. Well, I look forward to any more projects that you have, uh, both uh, mainstream or, uh, of course, with the Vietnamese community. And I look forward to seeing you tomorrow. And thank you so much from the bottom yeah, of my thank heart. Thank you. I cannot wait to see you. I hope tomorrow goes good. I hope, go. uh, I hope my kids aren't just mad if there's no popcorn. I, I just... Yeah, I, I'm really excited. I'm really Everybody excited. Everybody I know is going to it tomorrow. So, <gasps> yeah. So. That's crazy. Yeah, very, very excited. Wow. That kind of caves my head in. <laughs> You're amazing. I'm so glad we got a chance to chat. And uh, yeah, I'll see you tomorrow, dude. Thank you, Rachel. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Vietnamese with Kenneth Wynn. The Vietnamese is produced by Brittany Tran, Special thanks to Jane Wynn, Catherine Wynn, Tina Pham, Sydney Jamie, and Christo Trin. Please find us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at The Vietnamese Podcast. You can also find us on YouTube where you can subscribe, like, and comment. Please rate and give us a review wherever you find our podcasts.